0: Science Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Interesting subject, we've never covered it before, sexuality, in particular, a study of faith and sexual identity on Christian college campuses. Listening to sexual minorities, we have a Dr. Steve Stratton, he joins us. He's one of the authors of the book and uh, interesting subjects, so stick around. Our sponsors over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit gocom for more information. And by Hamilton Stands. Founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to right now, Hamilton Stage Rocker Mic Stand. Yes, we use it. Visit hamiltonstands.com. And by Orlex Acoustics, they have one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlex Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. Okay, now our special guest, Dr. Steve Stratton. Welcome to the program. Hi. Glad oh, to be here. Glad to be. I'm glad you're here. In fact, uh, so I'll let our uh, audience know that you're a licensed psychologist and professor of counseling and pastoral care at Ashbury Theological Seminary. Is that right?
1: That's right. Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky.
0: All right. And so um, tell us about this book, because I see that there's a lot of research going on, the graphs. And, uh, you know, uh, do we need to – how can I say this? Do we not look enough at the – critically about what goes on in the campuses, certainly about our sexuality?
1: Well, you'd think with all the uh, research and information that we are gathering that this would be something that's been gathered before, but really it has not. And the thing that's interesting about this population of sexual minorities on Christian college campuses is that people assume a lot of things about them, but because the research has been – there's been so little of it, we find that people are making assumptions about who they are and what they're about – And what their experience is, and in reality, uh, it doesn't always fit what people think, Uh, whether they are people uh, in general culture, uh, people that are in the LGBT community, or people that are in the Christian community, and even some people that are are, uh, at the Christian colleges themselves. uh, They've never really asked what that experience is like, and so that's what we intended to do, was to listen. To, to uh, Through survey as well as through interviews to have the opportunity to let them tell their story and we were endeavoring to, to, to put that story uh, out there for others to hear.
0: It's so interesting. I'm glad that you wrote this book because people talk about it, and sometimes it goes, you know, in <laughs> the church pews, or, or you know, not my kid, and things like that. And uh, I mean, what a, how can I say this? What a wake up call to uh the parents of such and such, uh, you know, little Susie and Johnny. They went to Sunday school, and they go to campus, and they find out that they're, you know, their kids are gay, but. Um, what what really, in a nutshell, is this book all about?
1: This book is about uh, the, the experience of being a sexual minority uh, at a Christian college. What's it about? Uh, one of the things that we're, we're finding is that uh, the experience is, uh, now that we've studied it uh, over the last 10 years, the book itself is the first two years of a longitudinal study that uh, is still going on. Uh, but uh, this is the first two years but we've actually been looking at this research and looking nationally at Christian colleges and uh, and those students who are at Christian colleges for about the last 10 years and I think the thing that comes across to us more than anything is that this is a, a very diverse group it's a, it's not a monolithic group by any means it's a it's a group of uh, that uh, tends to be um, uh, very, at least our group, the sample that we're using, tends to be highly religious and highly spiritual, but they are also students who are uh, wanting to engage their sexual development as well and, uh, and looking for a place that is truly Christian but also a place where they can do what we promise at most Christian colleges uh, and universities, and that is to have an environment where you can develop as a whole person. And sexuality is included in that.
0: It sure is. I mean, the identity of so you think is someone like a Baskin and Robbins. You know, you like vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry, and and someone says, "Well, this is what I like," and so leave me alone. But it's not that easy, you know. The Lord is very clear about it, and uh, and it, 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 there's no way not to offend someone with the subject, is there not?
1: No, and and one of the things we've we've kind of uh, laughingly said about the book is that we, we're afraid we won't please anybody uh, <laughs> when it comes to this because, on the one side, there are people who look at the this group of students at Christian colleges and they make assumptions about the fact that they're either repressed or they're people who are oppressed uh, in their environments and they actually wonder why in the world would anyone ever want to go to a christian college or university if if they are uh... if same-sex attraction is a part of their life experience and then on on the other side uh... there are the people who believe that well christian college is the best place to go and just work this out of you Hmm. and we've got a great place for that to happen and and these uh... i'm afraid that what we're finding uh... is not going to be pleasing to either side of those uh... In many ways, because on the one side, we find that students are there because they want to be there for the most part. They're not there because their parents are sending them there to be healed or to to be put into a place of some sort of uh, of recovery. Uh, But they're there because they want to be there. These are students that are very serious about their faith and they want to be there because they can see no better place than to grow as a believer while they are also trying to grow in their sexual development and to to figure out what that intersection of those things look like and so
0: Hmm. so
1: that kind of flies in the face of some of the people in general culture and on the other side with our christian uh... settings although we have a great community ethos and we believe very strongly that that uh... that we ought to be hospitable and we ought to be engaging of people uh, and that these ought to be healthy environments. Oftentimes what we find at Christian colleges is that it's a pretty difficult place. It's a hard road uh, when people are trying to negotiate uh, their sexuality within the context of these places. And and, and although we, we see evidence that it has gotten better at Christian colleges over the last 10 years, it still is a pretty hard uh, life. There at times,
0: I'd imagine uh, for people
1: who are trying to negotiate this aspect of their life, and so for you know, we, for Christian colleges, we say it ain't all good, and and for the people on the other side, we say, it ain't all bad, and we've <laughs> got to, and so the book is trying to to negotiate that middle ground a little bit and be truthful with regard to what these uh, sexual minorities students are telling us.
0: Sometimes I think just you know, sometimes the church doesn't really have well, not only compassion, but not really you say as a how can I say as a professor, you tell me, but sometimes the theology even of of the general Christian you know ain't so good not <laughs> read the bible as much as they should and so so then they take this one topic uh, homosexuality and they kind of bash people over the head they find that one sin and you know it seems like it would be nice if it was the the safest place that you could think of the church you know the most compassionate toward people um do do you agree though, sometimes they just kind of you know get a more uh, applause for, uh, to the pastor for for preaching a, an anti uh, a gay message
1: it can really happen that way. We, we certainly find churches all over the spectrum when it comes to, to these kinds of issues, but, but the way you've described it does happen in a lot of, a lot of settings. And I think a, a lot of what this book is about is trying to give uh, people in Christian communities a little bit more information and hopefully make them uh, – with better education and better information and better understanding comes a sort of, of empathy – that uh, can be very constructive. Uh, we, who are the authors of this book, certainly have a, a more traditional Christian sexual ethic when it comes to these kinds of issues. Uh, and yet, we come also with this idea that, that we believe you can be very orthodox in your view of uh, sexuality. From a Christian perspective, and uh, and yet we can also engage this topic with uh, with great understanding and great respect for people who are are navigating the, this road for themselves.
0: It's interesting. You have a section here about terms and phrases. So it talks about, you know, like back in the day, you know, people would say gay or something or other, but you, you get into it and you really make a science of this whole thing because you've done your research. And, uh, it, it, to me, you know, as a fairly older person, it, it gets a little confusing about what's happened really, to be honest. So only, only because it seems like society now gets to dictate this stuff. And a lot of things used to be kind of, you know, hush, hush, you wouldn't say much. Why is it so out in the open now?
1: I think I think culturally it's out in the open. We see it politically. Uh, we see it legally. Uh, we see uh, this discussion uh, happening. You know the the big civil rights, excuse me, the big Supreme Court decision today about about uh, uh, the uh, the cake maker in Colorado and how that was mm-hmm. going to go. So people are very interested in this, and uh, I think it's uh, it is a uh, an important topic uh, for that reason. But it's also important because I think. Uh, in many ways, culture seems to be shifting in the way it, it uh, considers uh, this topic, and I think this is one of those reasons why many people don't manage it very well. Is because they they're not familiar with the language that's being used. Sometimes, as a result, they use language that is uh, offensive, uh, and even though they may not be trying to be offensive, they they have to be more up to date. Uh, in the way they talk, uh, if they want to be uh, if they want to engage people, particularly if they want to engage people for Christ, it's very, very important that we we are able to uh, to uh, be culturally aware and culturally sensitive even if we're even in holding to uh, what we believe are Are important standards, uh, scriptural standards, but we have to be able to engage people. And I think as a result, people in their uncomfortableness are are often silent. And that silence in this day is considered to be uh, not not a very helpful stance. I agree. In uh, fact, people project onto that silence a lot of things that are more defensive and reactive.
0: How much does the Bible really talk about this? I mean, I know you go to Romans 1 and, and of course, uh, all throughout the Scripture, even the Old Testament, but uh, do we skip over parts, or is God pretty clear about this subject of, um, of sexuality? And it doesn't just cover homosexuality, but you cover all sexuality here in the book.
1: Correct. Well, we're primarily dealing with those that would be on the the lgb uh part of the uh, lgbtq and uh and on um so we're primarily dealing with those that would be wrestling with same-sex attraction um uh, for um for um that lgb side of things so it's primarily in those areas that would be considered uh, homosexual attractions or orientations those kinds of things so uh, that's mainly what we're looking at in the book
0: uh, and you we, have uh, a lot of statistics here i mean a- a- again you should be applauded it takes a lot of work you know you don't just talk the talk here you you have done a lot of work so in a nutshell i'm putting you on the spot what's the most astounding statistic or some of the statistics that you've come up with here
1: well, I think, uh, and again, the book is—we've is, got a lot of things in there. I think the things for us that were very surprising were that that most of the students that we found on campus were not asking for changes in theology. They were not asking for uh, colleges and universities, to, Christian colleges and universities, to to change what they believe. Uh, so um, they they're mainly looking for. A relational community, uh, and that was, I think, the thing that stood out to us more, uh, as much as anything, was what a difference one relationship, one hmm. good, safe relationship, meant on campus. That you, that students continued to tell us that over and over again. That that, although a difficult place at times, uh, having one good relationship could make all the difference in how in neg- in learning how to negotiate this. I think what students come is they're looking for a holding environment where they can see modeled and then learn how to hold their own sexuality, and and that's what they're looking for. Unfortunately, oftentimes uh, in Christian colleges, it's either not talked about, or if it is talked about, it's talked about in a more authoritarian yes. way and in a very relational way. And so those are that's some of the things that really stood out to us. As they were going through. The other thing that I think is amazing, uh, we we did a little bit of work in trying to differentiate our sample for people who are higher in what we call intrinsic religiosity, and those that are lower in intrinsic religiosity. Intrinsic religiosity means these are people whose faith uh, is a way they chart their life. They it's it's integrated into the way they do life on a day by day basis. And we found that the experience at Christian colleges is um, very much tied to whether people are high or low in that intrinsic religiosity. Intrinsic religiosity is, is uh, uh, really about how does a person integrate into their daily life uh, their faith and their experience with God. And so, people who are higher in intrinsic religiosity tends, tend to do that more than people who are lower in intrinsic religiosity. What we found was that people, that students who are higher in intrinsic religiosity manage this experience uh, much, in a much more easy, uh, even uh, in an easier way. Than uh, students who were lower in intrinsic religiosity, they tended to uh, navigate this path with less shame, with more of a sense of self-acceptance. They they tended to uh, to handle uh, their relationships uh, in a way that was more supportive and caring for themselves, and uh, they overall. Uh, what we found was they even tended to have uh, less psychological distress hmm. during the years that they are there. So this idea of intrinsic religiosity stands out as very, very important uh, because people who are lower in intrinsic relig- religiosity, it's it's almost like they are doubly marginalized. They feel different on campus. Because of their sexual identity or the things they're thinking about with regard to their sexual identity, and then they also feel different with regard to their religiosity and their spirituality.
0: Tough crown, and huh? That,
1: that dumb <laughs> marginalization makes it really, really difficult.
0: Really. Yeah, you have to have thick skin if you're going to go to Christian school and you know and be homosexual because you're going to hear you're going to hear a lot about it. You know, unless well, it's a liberal college.
1: Yeah, and I think the good thing is, as I said, I mentioned earlier, I think we're seeing some positive changes in that. Uh, schools are getting much better at reaching out, uh, forming groups on campus, uh, in trying trying to engage students and educate students those uh, who uh, are sexual minorities and those who are not. Uh, but we still got some ways to go and it's not, it's still not easy. It's yeah. still
0: not easy. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of his students feel like they're being judged and there's no way to get around it. We're going to continue with our interview with Dr. Steve Stratton. He's one of the authors of the book, listening to sexual minorities, the study of faith and sexual identity on Christian college campuses. Great audio starts with great gear and zoom's 30 year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom nacom today for recorders, audio, interfaces effects pedals and more we're zoom and we're for creators so let's get back to your book i mean uh, you know uh, students are always going to feel judged i'm sure if they're if they're homosexual but um do they is it difficult for them to defend their faith now the title says a study of faith and sexual identity okay so again what are some of those correlations can you be a good christian and be gay
1: well, this is something that's really changed in the cultural awareness and even in, in, uh, uh, within Christian community. It used to be that, that, uh, 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 when we first started studying this, that the idea of even acknowledging being gay or lesbian or bisexual was, uh, was in essence saying, I'm not Christian. Uh, but nowadays, as we, uh, look at Christian college campuses, there is, uh, kind of a, um, an, a growing growing group of students that want to say, this is who I am, and and yet uh, I want to determine what my behavior will be within the context of this awareness, this uh, identity-based position. So uh, so nowadays, you're going to see a lot of students uh, on campus that will talk about uh, being, um, I, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of students that will We'll talk about this idea of being gay and being Christians, and those not being incompatible.
0: How do people go about doing this? Where you're, you're homosexual you know, you're homosexual, okay, and uh, but that's not the only term you use, you know, <laughs> the whole gamut that, that's there. But um, how do you go about being gay and? not understanding that i guess you can't have it all you know because uh, again you know we all read the scriptures okay and we all right. come to an intersection where we re- we see our own sin no matter what sin it is it could be gossip it could be you know you're a thief it could be it could be anything you know god knows the thoughts and intents of the heart okay but how do we, how do homosexuals kind of get around some of this stuff where it's like i believe everything the bible says except for that
1: right i you know i think that uh, the students that we're working with, and the, the ones we're listening to, particularly, I would say, the majority of the ones that are in our sample from Christian colleges are people that take that very seriously. What you've said, and they're they're really wrestling with what does the Bible say, uh, and uh, and they're trying to to unpack what that means theologically as well as within their own experience. And so I, I find very few kind of uh, very few flippantly engaging what the question you've just asked. They deal with it very seriously. Uh, as a result, what we find is that some people end up uh, changing their theology uh, from being a more, what we might call, a, a more orthodox or traditional theology to things that would uh, be more in line with some of the revisionist theologies that are out there today around sexuality. Um other students uh, would uh, affirm a, uh, an identity, but they may choose uh, a more celibate path, and and trying to to say yes, I am gay, but I also believe that sexual beha- that same sex behavior uh, is not appropriate uh, from scripture, and so I will choose something along the lines of celibacy as a an alternative for. For these kinds of uh, as a way of reconciling some of these things, but those are just two options of of things that of uh, ways that people are trying to go about being serious about what Scripture says and trying to come to terms with those kind of things. I think the Christian colleges are pretty are pretty unified around saying these days that same sex attraction, just being attracted to a member of your own sex, uh, is not is not sinful. But it's the behavior. It's the acting on those things. And so Christian colleges, we and we hear this from students all over uh, the United States, that they uh, that Christian colleges make a, a distinction between the attraction, which uh, is not sinful, and the behavior, which tra- a traditional sexual ethic would say is a problem. And Christian colleges most often affirm that.
0: Ooh, difficult subject. I mean, it really makes you think a little bit. And certainly... You know, your experience as a psychologist—is uh, this the first time you've kind of like, uh, you know, made a study out of this, or is this, has this subject been been on your mind a, a long time?
1: It has been on my mind a long time. We've uh, the first study that we did uh, started about ten years ago. It was actually published in two thousand nine. We had a second study published in twenty. 20- Thirteen, and then this book has just come out uh, with our longitudinal study. So we've been looking at this as a research team for a while, and uh, and yet for me, it's it's not just a, a research interest. It's something that came out of my uh, awareness as a director of uh, counseling at Asbury University for. Uh, many years i was there almost 20 years as a counselor and and began to listen to the stories of students who were coming in and trying to find a way to to negotiate this intersection of faith and sexuality of this uh, and and it was it was particularly back in those days it was very very difficult there were not a lot of places to engage this thankfully Christian colleges are doing better but in some ways but the but back then it was it was a difficult place and the counseling center uh, might have been the only opportunity to talk about that while you while a student at the college but
0: it you get free, was- uh, you get free movie tickets for being part of the study
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> Unfortunately we, we we didn't have any grants supporting
0: us oh, so we were- <laughs> darn
1: But one of the things that was important for me though as well is that this comes at it rather personally because uh, when I was in college uh, at a Christian college, a, uh, my roommate for, uh, a, a, a year or so there, uh, came out later on as gay. Wow. And it was one of those experiences where I thought, you know, there were, there were opportunities for me to have been a better friend, uh, to, to be a better, a listener to him during those years. And for whatever reason, maybe some of it, his own, his own, uh, uh protection his own shame possibly but but part of it was i I looked back on it and think it was on me as well uh a sense of of not really making a a space
0: did you suspect i mean was it were you oblivious to it or did were you like you know what makes sense
1: i was pretty oblivious to it at at Hmm. that time and uh so it's it's not one of those things where i look back and say well i you know how how could i have missed this yeah but but certainly, in his experience, I I did not create the kind of space in our friendship uh, for him to be able to to uh, to let that secret out uh, and to begin to address it more openly. And I regret that. And I think some of that has informed my desire to be a part of this research because of. Uh, that experience with him, the experience with students along the way, a number of students along the way at Christian colleges that I've worked with in counseling, and then, and then finally just the research, it, research itself.
0: Where do we really go with this subject? Because it seems like a lot of the folks that are that are gay on Christian campuses, they always feel like someone's trying to change them. You know, and then they go to the church and they feel like someone's trying to change them. And then you have a conversation. So, I mean, it, to begin with. Uh, someone who's homosexual is, uh, from what I understand, living in torment a little bit. I mean, have you discovered that, even though they say, hey, this feels natural to me, that deep down inside I feel tormented?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the way people negotiate this experience is is all over the place. And certainly there are students that would, would describe uh, the way they're walking this path as – as a tormenting experience, and there would be others that would not describe it that way because of where they are. Some we found were, were very settled uh, in where they were and what that was about, and and in that settled process had found a place of uh, uh, to stand without a lot without a lot of, of uh, pain uh, in the experience and all. So so yeah, again, this is part of that diversity that we see across the student body uh, that uh you you can't just identify one experience and make it monolithic for the whole group. We, see, we find people all over the place. But I think the thing that we found as we were going through this is that, and as we talk with Christian colleges about this is that we're suggesting that that uh, colleges uh, reaffirm their um, their liberal arts, college mission which is to educate the whole person and what we suggest is that 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 process needs to go on in what we're calling an intentional community uh, a place where um, they are intentional about the relational encouragement that both uh, supports and challenges members of that academic community wherever they are and you know our thought is is that um that there are three characteristics that are a part of this kind of intentional community. We believe that that uh, intentional communities uh, will will, uh, will co-create. I guess is a good word for it, co-create a a culture of relational encouragement. One where there are uh, there's an emphasis on what we call micro affirmations. Uh, so they're affirming people for who they are as persons. Uh, and value persons, and they're training people on campus to to engage people with civility and respect, and and they create this kind of uh, awareness that there are differences among people, but but we need to uh, to engage people who are different than we were. we need to learn how to do that, and that becomes very Uh, foundational for the kind of cultural engagement that most Christian colleges believe they are training people, training their students to do. Yeah,
0: it's a two part question because I want to ask you, uh, you know, we'll hold the thought for just a minute that I'm wondering how this spans with uh, denominations and christian campuses and such but uh also i just wanted to ask you and i'll get back to that is uh when it comes to the subject listening to sexual minorities and i'm putting you on the spot though if you could tell quickly like 10 things real quick 10 things that you heard loud and clear that come to mind because of all the research that you've done what are some of the things that that they spoke loudly to you um, I will I will hold you to ten, but you know more than a few.
1: Right. I think the, uh, the things that stand out uh, would stand out to us uh, as the as the authors of this book and the researchers would be would be number one some of the things that I've, I've hit already. But the, I think part of it is that this is uh, this is not a monolithic group; it's a very diverse group, and so you have to to be aware that there are many experiences represented among sexual minorities within the the Christian College campus. So the diversity is extremely important. I would also say that the sexual minority students are navigating uh, what we would call difficult terrain, that although campus climate is improving across the last 10 years or so. Students are saying to us that uh, that there is indeed a greater awareness of the reality of sexual minorities on Christian college campuses. However, it can be difficult, and interestingly enough, it's, it's more difficult among their student peers than it is among faculty and staff at these institutions. Uh, probably third, uh, I'd say that the comments about intrinsic religiosity are extremely important. That um, that we want uh, that students are telling us that those who hold their faith very centrally and who who tend to uh, believe that um, their faith is important for the way they live their daily life and the way they engage it uh, that makes huge difference in the kind of experience that they have as they negotiate this process. Um, I'd also say that that the uh, probably 50% or a little bit more of our sample were in the low distress range, which surprises a lot of people because what we hear emphasized many times about about students uh, at at uh, in higher education that are. Um, Uh, negotiating their sexual identity and particularly those that are negotiating sexual identity as well as their faith identity is that there's high rates of suicide and there are Mm -hmm. these other kinds of things that are going on and those are certainly present but what we're finding is that 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 most of our students look like the average college student, with many most of the same sorts of things that are going on uh, in their lives uh, around that college experience. I, so, I is,
0: probably, I'm sorry. No, ahead. no, no. You go ahead. I, I should know my mouth. You were talking.
1: <laughs> well, it's all right. I, I uh, probably next I would say that that I would say that the majority of the people we interviewed are working very hard to hold on to both their religion and spirituality as well as their sexual identity development. They are not wanting to reject one or the other. They are uh, – a lot of times people are, were saying to us before this research is that the only way to negotiate this intersection of faith and and sexuality is for them to to drop one, uh, to, to let go of one of these issues as being important. But what we found was these students are wanting to be – mature in their faith and they're also wanted to be mature in their sexuality as they go about this and they do not want to drop either one of these up uh, yeah
0: that's the tension i mean that, that really is the tension of the book
1: yes i mean
0: for sure so. because you know how do you reconcile that and uh, certainly i guess you go to a liberal church You have to go to a liberal church where, you know, it's welcome or a liberal uh, seminary where they say it's welcome. And, you know, sometimes uh, not to to hit you where it hurts there, but sometimes funding, you know, for the church, for the seminaries and sometimes funding for the churches can maybe change people's policies and how they feel about things.
1: Yeah, we we certainly find that that. What makes it complicated for Christian colleges and universities is that they, they do want to engage students in the best and the most hospitable way possible, uh, educating them in a way that would be a full-person sort of experience, but they also have to uh, respond to constituents and boards and, and donors and other people and they have to respond to what they're asking for and what they're needing. And so Christian colleges are in a very complicated world right now. Comes to these issues, you're exactly right.
0: Absolutely, we have a concluding thoughts in just a minute. Our special guest, Dr. Steve Stratton, the author of the book or one of them for listening to sexual minorities: A Study of Faith and Sexual Identity on Christian College Campuses. Really interesting book. A lot of work goes into this book, and uh, so we're going to find out just a little bit more. But uh, sponsors first, with over 90 years of experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, Consumer and Installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com and vocal booth to go it carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors audio professionals podcasters producers and studio sound treatment uh st- i should say studio owners <laughs> to help them get professional results for their clients it's your go-to place for sound treatment soundproofing, portable and mobile vocal booths visit vocalbooth2go.com and by Hamilton Stands founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboards stands and accessories. In fact, we actually use the Hamilton Stage Rocker mic stand here in the Messiah Community Radio talk show. Visit hamiltonstands.com. And by Orlex Acoustics, they have one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And last but not least, great audio starts with great gear and Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit Zoom-NA. Today, for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom and we're for creators. And speaking of our creator, (laughs) Dr. Stratton, a lot of people feel getting to the concluding thoughts of, of your book that God made me this way and therefore, you know, God doesn't make mistakes.
1: Right. Well, we certainly hear that coming out of some of our students that we studied. And that's a part of the part of the experience that Christian colleges have to be able to engage uh, as they uh, as they uh, take on this whole person sort of engagement. Um, you
0: know, I mean, we, you think we, about we, something you think about something that gives people, forgive me, so much pleasure, if you will. I mean, I hate to say it sounds scandalous, but I mean that's kind of what their whole.
1: Um, well, I, I guess the, the thing that I would say is that, that again, we're going to have students – what we're finding is that students are coming into Christian colleges with beliefs that are all over the spectrum, people who are coming in and would label this experience that they're having as sin and wanting to address that, people who are coming in, and, and they've decided this is, this is not sinful behavior, and I want to en- engage this developmental process, and Christian colleges – uh, and the complexity of it have got to engage students across that spectrum to be able to invite them into, uh, uh, as with any other issue, uh, they've got to begin to consider uh, how do we develop students, how do we grow students uh in a religious and spiritual environment, and how do we invite them into a place of considering how to go deeper with with their understanding of themselves, and their understanding of the Bible, and their understanding of their faith in general, and uh, to get them ready for moving out into general culture? And Christian colleges are faced with that kind of complexity right now,
0: and because they're finding uh, they're fighting with culture, and they're fighting with a culture that says it's okay, and so. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's kind of like, in I imagine it's always the elephant in the room, though, the whole homosexuality subject. And I mean, when you look at the parts alone, okay, and if you make a thing out of the parts, you know, uh, fitting and that type of thing or whatever, you know, just to go there, um, I guess it gets, it gets difficult when, but you know, God makes very, very logical arguments about it. So, do you find that – do you find, uh, and our concluding thoughts here, that a lot of homosexuals, how do they get around that?
1: Well, I think – let me let – me, this may take your question in a little bit of a different way. If I haven't answered it well, please bring me back. But here's, here's the what I would say about this. I think the thing that we're finding in our research is that, that there, there may be a way, uh, we, and we believe that there is a way, of holding a traditional Christian sexual ethic. That affirms what scripture has said across the centuries. uh, And also to, uh, to grow a person within their sexual identity in a way that's healthy and strong. And the way that looks will be different from person to person. And yet we believe wholeheartedly that that these are not incompatible things, what script, what we believe scripture says and also what, what uh, it takes to grow healthily in our sexual development. And that's what uh, ultimately we hope that this conversation, listening to sexual minorities is about, is starting that conversation and beginning to think from community to community, what does this look like for us? Because if we're going to, from a Christian's perspective, if we're going to move into culture in a way that is is redemptive, and if we're going to move into culture in a way that is enlightening and actually attractive to other people, we've got to move into it with a narrative that says something more than just, we are here to judge you and you need to stop what you're doing and put this aside. We've got to be able to engage culture in a way that... Uh, that Says here is something we have to offer, uh, and and here is and and watch our lives, and that's in many ways what Christian colleges mm. are hoping to produce. One of the things we talk about in the book is that if we're really going to be a Christian community that is based in a Trinitarian theology, uh, one of the things we have to understand is that that a community is it's is one that's. A Christian community is one that supports and challenges, and it's for each member of the community. It's not just for the minority group or the majority group. It's one in which that kind of power is shared. And and so those are things that I think are uh, important, at least from the things we're hearing from students and from what we've seen in working with Christian colleges over the years. Those are the things that stand out as being uh significant pieces to understand and to emphasize
0: Dr. Stratton thank you for your book Dr. Steve Stratton he's been our special guest his book is called Listening to Sexual Minorities A Study of Faith and Sexual Identity on Christian College Campuses this book really is a healing book it's not one of condemnation at all and uh it's one of truth and uh a lot of research once again went into it so Dr. Stratton if you would uh, if you would pray with us we'd sure appreciate it and again we want to thank you for being on the program
1: Absolutely, I'd be honored to do that. Uh, kind Father, we are so grateful that that we are your people, uh, that we come to you uh, when we are often confused and we don't know what to do, uh, and and you listen to us. And so we believe that that you call us to do much the same when we're confused with one another and we're not sure what to do. Oftentimes, to listen, to listen. Uh, I regret. Father, oftentimes we are ones that want to speak first uh, when we should be listening well. And so we ask that you would teach us to listen with discernment. You teach us to listen uh, and to uh, with wisdom. Uh, that you would teach us to listen with the kind of spiritual ears that you have uh, when you are listening to us, listening without shame, listening with a, a kind of love. That changes everything. Lord, we are grateful for the way you work in our lives. We're grateful for the way you work in our culture. We're grateful for the way you work in Christian colleges, and we pray that you would grow all of us into the kind of persons and the institutions that we need to be to represent you and your love well. Thank you, Lord, for your work in each of us, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus and by His Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. amen. And amen. God's not done with us, is he?
1: No, not by any means.
0: We're <laughs> all flourishing. Thanks again for being on the program.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Michael.